Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday evening. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We are looking at biblical pillars of American policy, policy that puts our country first, not out of a disregard for the rest of the world, but in regard for a proper ordering of our priorities in charity and justice, the responsibilities God gives us. Well, we care about every family, but we have to take care of our family first and so also our nation first. America first policies make sense. They are consistent with the gospel. They are consistent with the love of neighbor and the love of God, the love of neighbor that comes about when we uh, when we choose the right leaders and enact the right policies that are going to make the lives of our neighbors and of our children and grandchildren, for that matter, so much more free and prosperous. Brothers and sisters, welcome. These are the things we talk about on this program, rooted in the scriptures. And let's begin with the scriptures. Now, tonight we're going to continue on where we left off yesterday, uh, looking at some of the great uh, accomplishments in the realm of uh, the uh, medical healthcare policies that we've been discussing. But then we're going to transition into the third major pillar having to do with self-governance and equality before the law, uh, going to the very essence of freedom, freedom from tyranny. So a lot to cover. Let's go to the scripture, starting with, uh, let's... uh, Go to Psalm 139 here uh, this evening. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. Oh, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your face? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand would guide me, your right hand would hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the night or light around me become night, even the darkness will not be dark for you, and the night will be as clear as the day. For you created my inmost being, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for knowing us for going before us, for protecting us, and for doing the same for our nation. Just as you formed each of us in the womb, 
so you formed our nation, carefully crafted on principles of freedom, principles of dependence upon you, O God, and independence from men of tyranny. Thank you, Lord, that today we are able to both understand and defend these very same principles, these very same gifts. Continue to pour these gifts out upon us because we do not take any of them for granted. Save us from tyranny today. Save us, Lord, from a distortion of our perspective and of our dependence. Keep us focused on you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And that focus on him, brothers and sisters, is what enables us to understand public policies that are best for our nation. The focus on him. Let's continue to go through. You know, we were talking about health care, and we said, well, we wanted to focus on restoring control to patients and doctors when it comes to their health care. We don't want to be treated like machines or objects. We don't want our health care to be under the control of government bureaucracies, nameless, faceless uh, individuals who have no knowledge of or care for us. Uh, rather, we want to be able to choose our doctors, choose the kind of health care we want and need. We want to maximize options and choices for people and for families. And we restarted to review some of the policies and accomplishments uh, that, that took place under President Trump. And we're reviewing these because we have to understand where we have come from and the kind of policies to which we can return and build on uh, come the next presidential election, which is really right around the corner. We shouldn't be thinking of this as something far off. Presidential race has already begun. And, uh, and we've got to think concretely and positively in a forward-looking way, specifically, where do we want to go with these different policies? Well, let's continue to look at some of the accomplishments in this arena of the pillar of restoring health care to uh, patients and doctors, and then we'll move into um, the third pillar. So picking up where we left off, I want to talk about some unprecedented reforms that dramatically lowered the price of prescription drugs. Now, what I'm about to show you is from a web page that you can find at ProLifePresident.com. Uh, you'll see, in fact, a number of different sources there for the accomplishments of the Trump administration. This is a particular list, 51 pages long, put together by the administration itself. Go to it, read it, study it, share it. Uh, you will be you will be blessed by it, and again, it 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 forges a path ahead for the future. So let's go look at that website, ProLifePresident.com. Uh, this document of accomplishment. So we're going to start with unprecedented reforms dramatically lowering the price of prescription drugs. Under the Trump administration, lower uh, drug prices were lowered for the first time in half a century. First time in fifty-one years lowered drug prices. Launched an initiative to stop global freeloading in the drug market. Finalized a rule to allow the importation of prescription drugs from Canada. Finalized the most favored nation rule. Now, what does that mean? Most favored nation status. Ensuring that pharmaceutical companies offer to the United States the same discounts that they do to other nations. You talk about an America first policy, right? Doesn't that make sense? 
offer us the same discounts that you do to other nations. What that was that did was resulted in some $85 billion of savings over the span of seven years and $30 billion in out-of-pocket costs alone. President Trump saw to it that we had most favored nation status. Proposed a rule for requiring federally funded health centers to pass drug company discounts on insulin and EpiPens directly to patients. Ended gag clauses that prevented pharmacists from informing patients about the best prices for the medications that they need. Ended costly kickbacks to middlemen and ensured that patients benefit directly from the available discounts at the pharmacy counter. And this saved Americans up to 30%, 30% on brand name pharmaceuticals. I, you, you don't see anything wrong with this, do you? Enhanced Part D plans to provide many seniors with Medicare access to a broad set of insulins at a maximum $35 copay for a month's supply of each type of insulin. Required Medicare Part D prescription drug premiums, saving beneficiaries nearly $2 billion in premium costs since 2017. And ended the unapproved drugs initiative, which provided market exclusivity to generic drugs. All these kinds of accomplishments, we don't hear about these every day. Uh, And yet, here they are. Promoted research and innovation. This is another section of these accomplishments in healthcare to ensure that American patients have access to the best treatment in the world. What are some of these specific points? President Trump signed the first ever executive order, the first ever, to affirm that it is the official policy of the United States government to protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Passed right to try to give terminally ill patients access to life-saving cures. I remember him talking about this in many of the rallies, right to try. And now, this is not something that first came up in the Trump administration. It was discussed in the past, but nobody was ever able to pull it off because people had concerns, companies had concerns about liabilities and and, uh, how uh, statistics would look worse, you know, if more people died. President Trump was able to find ways to to deal with that, signing all kinds of waivers and and uh, 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 documents that would keep them from liability, and said, "Look, the key thing, the key thing that was on his mind was, there are people who have these seriously terminal diseases. They don't have any other recourse. There are experimental drugs being developed that might help. Let them try them. What have they got to lose?" If they want to try them, let them try them. Finally got it done. Right to try. Saving saving many lives, brothers and sisters. Furthermore, he signed an executive order to fight kidney disease with more transplants and better treatment. Signed into law, $1 billion increase in funding for critical Alzheimer's research. Accelerated medical breakthroughs in genetic treatments for sickle cell disease. See, these are the things that the enemies of the American people in the fake news media don't have time to tell you about because they're too busy talking about Russian collusion, okay? Idiots. They're idiots. And they're misguiding you, and they're depriving us of uh, 
the the very encouraging information here, which uh, is these are things these are not things that are in somebody's imagination. These are things that were done. Finalize the interoperability rules that will give American patients access to their electronic health records on their phones. Initiated an effort to provide half a billion dollars over the next decade to improve pediatric cancer research. Launched a campaign to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in America in the next decade. Started a program to provide the HIV prevention drug uh, an, an HIV prevention drug to insured patients free of charge, and signed an executive order and awarded new development contracts to modernize the influenza vaccine. All right, and then a final set of accomplishments regarding Medicare, protecting our nation's seniors, updated the way Medicare pays for innovative medical products to ensure beneficiaries have access to the latest innovation and treatment, reduced improper payments for Medicare, an estimated $15 billion since 2016, to protect taxpayer dollars and lead to less fraud, less waste, less abuse, took rapid action to combat antimicrobial resistance and secure access to life-saving new antibiotic drugs for American seniors, by removing several financial disincentives and setting policies to reduce inappropriate use. Launch new online tools, including eMedicare, Blue Button 2.0, CareCompare, to help seniors see what is covered, compare costs, streamline data, and compare tools available on Medicare.gov. Provided new Medicare Advantage supplemental benefits, including modifications to help keep seniors safe in their homes, respite care for caregivers, non-opioid pain management alternatives like therapeutic massages, transportation, and more in-home support services and assistance. And finally, two other points, protected Medicare beneficiaries by removing social security numbers from all Medicare cards, a project completed ahead of schedule, like so many Trump accomplishments, and finally, unleashed an unprecedented transparency in Medicare and Medicaid data to spur research and innovation. Okay, so we'll stop with the um, that particular page right now. Go to ProLifePresident.com and you'll see the link, President Trump's accomplishments as summarized by the administration. You can get more details from that 51-page document. Pillar number two, therefore, Put patients and doctors back in charge of health care. These are some of the policies and accomplishments. Uh, just to review the, uh, uh, the key points of policy that many of these accomplishments implement, what we talked about were, were protect the most vulnerable, including seniors and people with pre-existing conditions, enhance access to trusted doctors and appropriate care, increase affordable health plans and alternative forms of coverage, promote individual control of health care, lower prescription drug prices, we saw a lot of examples of that just now, and promote transparent upfront pricing. So, America First policies. Let's go to the third principle, and for this we'll go over to the board and give you some uh, perspective on this. Principle number three, 
of these America First policies. And by the way, as I've reminded you before, America FirstPolicy.com is the website for the America First Policy Institute. And these are people who worked, uh, many of whom worked in either the cabinet or key agencies in the Trump administration to actually create and implement these policies for the betterment of the American people. So point number three that we're going to be looking at, and we'll look at some of the biblical basis for this, restore America's historic commitment to what? Freedom, equality, and self-governance. So America has an historic commitment to these things. And these are foundational, obviously. Just to say them is to realize that they are foundational. Freedom. Equality. And self-governance. Brothers and sisters, this is the opposite of tyranny, the opposite of slavery. These principles. And this is what America has had a commitment to from day one. Why? There was no source, no book or set of books or theories or philosophies more influential on the American founders in creating a kind of government, a kind of country rooted in these things, than the word of God, the scriptures. That was the most influential resource for these founders, for these writers of the Declaration and of the Constitution, for these uh, founders who met together and hammered out the uh, kind of country that could embody uh, these, these values and the kind of constitution that could provide a mechanism for securing them for centuries to come. And it has worked. We're the only country today working still under its original founding constitution. That's pretty uh, significant. An historic commitment to these things we were the first country, and, and, and this is kind of surprising when, when, we, when we sit back and listen to it, because we, growing up in this country, you, you take for granted, oh, this is, must, must be the way it is everywhere. But it was the first time people stood up and say, okay, said, okay, the power in government, the sovereignty, doesn't reside in a sovereign. Sovereignty in government, the power, doesn't reside in a king, a dictator, a monarch. The sovereignty in American way of, of thinking resides where? In the people. It's actually a revolutionary concept. And if sovereignty resides in the people then those who govern have no power at all except for the consent of the governed. The governed, we the people, can give our consent. One of the ways we do that is by voting for somebody. Or the governed can withdraw their consent. It's, all, it's, it's never a one and done kind of thing. We give it and then we make sure that, 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 that we are living in freedom and equality 
If not, we exercise our self-governance to take back, to reclaim that freedom and equality by withdrawing consent from those who are governing the wrong way. If those who are governing to destroy these things begin doing so, we withdraw our consent, vote them out of office. And in the meantime, while they're still in office, there are many things that we can do with our system of checks and balances to um, lobby, to get laws passed or court decisions issued that can restore things. That's why we can all challenge uh, actions of the government in court. If our rights are being violated, if our freedom, if our equality is being violated, we have the courts. Not to mention, of course, legislators that we can lobby to pass corrective laws in these situations. Okay, now I want to put a a couple of scripture references here and then we'll sit back down and read uh, a couple of these passages to set the tone for all of this. Um, There are two passages very, very similar, one in 1 Peter and one in Galatians. So Galatians 5, we're going to go to Galatians 5, and we're going to go to the first letter of Peter, uh, chapter 2. These chapters have important passages about freedom. Let's go take a look at them. And then from this, we'll be drawing a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, policy proposals. So going to First Peter, let's see what he says uh, in his, in his uh, epistle about freedom. And what these, what these passages do, brothers and sisters, is that they proclaim freedom in Christ, but then right away they, they make it clear that, um, that there are certain limits to uh, how we use that freedom or how we conceive of that freedom. So 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in uh, verse um, six, uh, 15, it is God's will that you should do good and silence the ignorant talk of, of foolish men. Live as free men. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So, freedom doesn't mean anarchy. It's saying you honor those in authority in government. Freedom doesn't mean anarchy. It doesn't mean let's throw off all kinds of authority. That's a very immature notion of of freedom. We have, you know, the founders express it this way, ordered liberty. We have liberty, freedom, but it's ordered. You can't have chaos. Freedom can't be allowed to devolve into chaos. So there has to be order in life, which means that there has to be, have to be some limits, which means there has to be some authority to enforce those limits, which means there has to be respect for government and for law. And that's where this passage is coming from. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, he's the highest authority, and then honor the king. Now in America, any obligations that scripture puts on the leaders of the people or on kings, it rests now on the people because as we just saw, that's where the sovereignty is among the people. So we now take on the obligations that scripture gives to the kings and rulers. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. You know, freedom is not just a name that we slap on 
you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that we want to do. Freedom has a content to it based on and shaped by respect for the rights of others. Same kind of point comes up in Galatians 5. Let's go there. Uh, starting with, uh, well, let's see, ver- verse 5, uh, chapter 5, starting there with verse 13. You, brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So you see again a similar theme. There is freedom, but there is the, de- there is the demand of love. There is the demand of respect for one another. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You know, Paul makes a distinction between when he talks about the flesh versus the the, uh, the the spirit, he's not talking about body versus soul. He's talking about the corruption in us that lead, draws us, drags us to sin. That's the flesh, and the, or the sinful nature. It's translated that way sometimes. Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. In other words, don't claim freedom to do evil. Don't say, "Oh, I'm free." Namely, I'm free from the commandments. You're never free from the commandments. So don't use freedom as a false uh, a license to do whatever you want going in the sinful way. Rather, live as spiritual beings rooted in love, which gives itself away for the good of the other person. With this proper understanding of a freedom that respects the equality and rights of others, we can begin to formulate public policies that respect freedom and rights. And that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow night. What kind of public policies in America respect this kind of framework that we just described that is rooted in the Bible and that embodies an accurate understanding of freedom? This is, of all the pillars and of all the policies, this really is the most exciting and the most basic. We'll return to it tomorrow evening. Let's pray now. Uh, Father, We first of all, we ask you to bless all our viewers and any needs that they have, any prayer intentions that they are expressing and requesting, and uh, any graces of which they stand in need from your throne. Almighty God, pour out on them forgiveness of sin, spiritual uh, discernment for decisions, uh, spiritual strength in sorrow, uh, humility in success and in joy. Uh, and always a right worship of you for themselves and for their families. Bless our entire nation with that proper spiritual disposition that we might continue to serve you in freedom. Protect our freedom, Lord God. Protect the equality of every person. Protect our system of self-governance. Lord, we kneel only to you. We don't kneel to any king or emperor, dictator. We don't kneel to any president or Congress or governor, all the people who serve in positions of power are actually serving in positions of service, service to us. They work for us. We don't work for them. Government exists for our good. We don't exist for government's good. The governed govern only with our consent, and if we have to, we will withdraw our consent. And Lord, may we give our consent only wisely 
and carefully. Lord, for those voters who misuse their vote by voting for those who don't believe in freedom anymore, or by voting for those who think it's okay to kill babies, Lord, send the protection of your spirit to our minds and our hearts that we may stop voting the wrong way, stop voting in a destructive way, but rather give us, give us the power always to do what is right. Preserve our equality, preserve our freedom. May we exercise our self-governance with wisdom. And for all this, we now pray in the words that Jesus gave us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks, friends. Great talking uh, with you. And uh, please keep connected on social media. I hope you're on Truth Social. Make sure you have your Getter account. I'm at FR Frank Pavone, as you can see on the screen. And be sure to connect with our friends at Right Side Broadcasting to RSB Network. We appreciate all of you, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.